Warning, the following show is not for all ages. We might have the odd dirty word in it. We also talk about people who beat other people's faces in. If you're shorter than this line, you are too small to be on this ride. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say or do can and will be held against you in a court of law. The following program is rated R times infinity, which is a lot. If you're under the age of 18, you might need to get your mom to sit with you while you listen to our show. Hmm, how embarrassing would that be? Now, it's time for MMA Sucker Radio on MMASucker.com. MMA Sucker Radio. It's dance party MMA Sucker Radio because we're going to be playing Daft Punk the entire show. Well, not the entire show. It's not going to play under the whole show. Oh, we're yeah. Gonna yeah. You intro, know what I mean. Intro and it's outro what, are... That's all it's going to be. It's just going to be music. It's going to be a DJ party. Intro and outro are guests with Daft Punk and some great guests we have tonight. Um, you lined up the first one. Why don't you just sort of let hey, everyone know who me. it is? Yay, me. Um, well, since we're having a dance party... We uh, decided to get the bipolar rock and roller Mauro Ranallo on the show. Um, speaking of which, he has a podcast called The Show on MauroRanallo.com. Yeah, we're gonna talk to him about that. Talk about some upcoming fights. Talk about him. Just a cool. He's just a cool cat. You know, he's one of the best guys in the business, in my opinion. Yeah, his insight behind fights. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy's called a ton of some of the biggest fights in in MMA history from cage side with strike force and pride and. Some huge fights. This guy's insight is just something that no one else has. No, you can you can just talk to him. Like you know, even when you meet him in person, he you know, I sat beside him at a UFC event once, and and that was one of the best UFC events I've ever been to. You just talk fights the entire night. It's like you get your own personal play-by-play from Maro as well. You know, um, and then I mean, we also met him another time. It was on a ferry, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were checking out Armageddon Fighting Championships. Yeah, and the I island. Yeah, he right. uh, just. He went over with his brother, and because he's from BC, so he went to check out the fights. Yeah, and then uh, I slept the entire ferry ride home. <laughs> he yeah. looked like he had a, a pretty fun weekend, but uh, I won't ask him. About that. No, no. And our <laughs> other guest is former Strike Force fighter, and he's making his UFC debut this weekend at UFC on Fox Seven against Canadian yeah. Francis Carmont. Yeah. Uh, Lorenz Larkin, the monsoon. You know, when you told me earlier today that he was going to be on the show, I, I was like, Lorenz Larkin's fighting? Because I completely forgot that he was on this card. This is how good of, of a card it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's he's coming into this fight undefeated, sort of. Um, he's yeah. got a, he's got a no contest on his record, I believe, because uh, the King Mo Lawal fight got overturned because of uh, Mo's uh, t- positive test mm-hmm. on his uh, drug test. And uh, coming into this fighting, Francis Carmont, who is holding, if he wins this fight, will hold the record for middleweight wins in a row 
right behind Anderson Silva there. Yeah, so uh, that's cool. I, it's, I'm looking at this card, actually, the UFC on Fox, Henderson versus Melendez card. And uh, Benson Henderson, obviously, Gilbert Melendez is the main event. But, uh, well, you know, this is going to be a good card from top to bottom. But what did you think, before we get to that, because we'll talk tomorrow and all a little bit about that. Maybe you and I can, can uh, shoot the shit later on in the show. Um, but last week, your thoughts? Yeah, we had a good fight card last week. And yeah. the Tough 17 finale went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, main event was Uriah Faber versus Scott Jorgensen. Uriah proved again that he keeps winning these fights when it's not a title situation. He defeated him by a rear naked choke in the fourth round. It was a back-and-forth battle that it fight. Was. Uh, both guys striking. Uh, Uriah's jab just seemed to land a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's tricky with his with his fighting as well. He sets up his takedown super clean with the, with the fake punches and, and, and stuff like that, but Jorgensen sure put up a fight as well, eh? Yeah, yeah. You know, you could see some improvement in Faber's striking. I mean, Faber's always had fairly good striking, but it just seemed a lot more crisp, and, and that probably had a lot to do with, uh, you know, Dwayne Ludwig. Yeah, huge to do with Dwayne Ludwig, I'm sure. I, and, and Master Tong came back yeah. as well, so he's got both those guys in his corner. I don't. I think Team Alpha Male is is undefeated since Dwayne Ludwig's coming. Yeah, so good on Faber, man. He looked he looked really good, and uh, the question is, is what do you do with him now? You know, do you? You can't give him really a title shot yet. I, no, I, I like well, Brad I, Pickett. I, I like the Brad Pickett fight. Let's make that one happen. That's an interesting fight. I yeah. think. I mean, the guy's two and zero since his last fight. He's he's won two in a row. He's coming off big wins over two big competitors. That yeah. that if Scott Jorgensen won, he he's got to be itching right up there as well. Uh, it's interesting to see. I think it it all depends on who wins Henan Burrell versus Eddie Wineland. If Wineland wins, Uriah already has a a win over Wineland, you, they you know, could you, line yeah. that right up, right? Yeah, yeah And the UFC sure. loves yeah. Uriah. They seem to push yeah. him a hell of a lot. Yeah. Uh, if Burrell wins, it'll be a different story because Burrell handled Faber pretty easily. Yeah, I don't see that. I, I mean, I maybe, you saw that fight live, correct? yeah, absolutely in Calgary. Same, actually, same fight that I we were I was hanging with Morrow at in, uh, at the UFC event, but in Calgary there. But going back to, to Faber, um, yeah, Burrell wins. Faber, I mean, you don't want to make that fight right away. So I'm saying, like, maybe another win or two. I still, if he wins another two fights and Burrell's still the champion, I could still see him but, winning. But no, title, no, no, because Burrell will end up fighting Dominic Cruz. Uh, well, right? that's, we hope. Yeah, we hope. And I would actually, it, it's interesting to say this, but I would like to see Uriah fight Dominic again because the last two fights were very, very, very close. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want to see that again. Not yet. I, I, you know, we'll we'll see. It's just interesting. Uriah Faber is this like gatekeeper now of of the division. It's but like you if you want a title to, shot, you, you gotta you gotta beat him. And it doesn't happen. He's never lost. Yeah. Sixteen fights, seventeen now, in non-title fights, he has never lost. And I believe he's his, seventeen and zero. His last time, the last time he had a title was what two thousand eight. Ah, WEC title. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the title of the Ultimate Fighter? Kel- Kelvin Gastelum uh, upsetting Uriah Hall in what Dana White called flopping a little bit, I guess. Yeah, uh, sure. What did, he, did did Uriah Hall wilt under pressure? I don't know. Easy for Dana White to say. I, you know, who knows? I, I thought Gastelum fought a great fight. I mean, Uriah Hall, there were some flashes of some, you know, brilliance that we saw on the show in the fight. I mean, I think Uriah Hall got himself out of some tough situations a few times on the ground. He just kind of powered through Gastelum at times. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see what Hall does in the future now that he's got some, you know, he's going to get a little more seasoning behind him. Uh, he's gone through this tournament. I, I actually think this is just going to be a little blip on the radar for Uriah Hall. I think uh, his next fight, he's probably going to be a lot better. Uh, but Gasman, give full credit to him, man. 21-year-old kid. Yeah. Wins the show. And he was thinking about quitting MMA prior to the show. Yeah. Uh, these two guys were both very, very big middleweights. We know that Kelvin Gastelum is, is talking about moving down to 170 after this fight. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see if Uriah Hall thinks about doing the same thing because he's a giant of a middleweight as well. The muscle mass. Um, I don't know what, what his problem was in that fight. He just didn't look like the same guy. He didn't come out there and, and throw flashy stuff. Yeah, but, you know, I don't think we can judge him t- solely on that fight. I think uh, let's see what he can do, uh, see if maybe the bright lights, maybe, you know, like Dana White said, maybe he wilted a little bit under pressure. Well, you know, um, we're running up against the clock here, but I want to quickly ask you about Kat Singano and uh, Misha Tate. Obviously, some people say there was some controversy in how that ended. I, I don't. I thought that was a fabulous fight. I think it was the best fight on the card. It was definitely the best fight on the card. I actually thought that... The fight was stopped a little early. It looked like Misha... Yes, she got handed some major punishment with those knees and uh, some elbows. And, and she didn't drop. She was defending herself while getting getting kneed. And I, I thought she was going for a takedown there. I wanted to mm. see... I, Misha got some serious takedowns in the first and second yeah, round. But and she, if she could have gotten that takedown right there, the whole picture would have been different. She, the thing is, dude, she she might have been going for a takedown, but she was still about to get clocked a few more times. In what the if face. she landed that she, takedown? She, there's no way. Zingano was just pounding her. There's no way that she wouldn't even gotten close to that takedown because she would have been punched in the face about four or five times. The fight would have been stopped regardless. I mean, whether she stopped it at you know punch or two early, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't see any controversy in how that ended. Uh, what about the knee? As much as I don't a like Kim Winslow, I'm not that, a Kim Winslow referee. No, but a lot fan. of people also think the knee coming up off the ground wasn't the one okay. that dropped her, but it was the one that started her. She had three fingers on the ground. Okay, I haven't seen that replay. Okay, but three fingers on the ground. I mean, come on, really? You, you. you she didn't. Misha didn't mention this. Misha wasn't the one that thought it was an illegal knee. Someone yeah. mentioned it to her, and she watched it, and she was like, "Yes, my hand was on the ground." Three fingers or not, I mean, her hand was still down on uh, the mat. I don't know. We've seen that happen before, though. I mean, there's knows? other fights on and this that card was, that, that was were highly tough, controversial was, as well. But, but Jeremy, that was tough to see, though. Yes, of, of course it was. There's other fights on this card that were highly controversial. I'd like to get into those. After we talk to our next guest, because we are running up against the clock here with uh, Mar Ronaldo, who's going to be joining us right after this. is a legend in the MMA broadcasting world and one of the true nice guys out there. He's called some of the biggest fights in history for organizations like Pride, Strike Force, Stampede Wrestling. A man that really needs no introduction, but he's the bipolar rock and roller. It's a pleasure to have Mauro Ronaldo joining us today. Mauro, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, it's a pleasure to be uh, with some uh, BC buds up there in uh, the beautiful uh, West. I'm back in the beautiful West Coast, but I'm south of the 49th these days, living in... Uh, Southern California, it's always great to touch base with uh, some Canadian kin, so uh, thanks a lot, guys. No worries, man. Uh, I had to mention in your intro, Stampede Wrestling, because Jeremy and I were talking just off air, and we're trying to remember, was it Saturday afternoons or was it Sunday afternoons? Because I used to watch it when I was younger. It it was Saturday afternoons, and it was uh, a nice uh, dovetail from the actual, the promotion that gave me 
my broadcasting start, my uh, my my first uh, taste of what I wanted to do for a career was All Star Wrestling in Vancouver that aired Saturday afternoons, and you'd get All Star Wrestling either on Czech TV uh, at noon in Victoria or three o'clock on the then uh, BC TV, yeah. and then at two o'clock was Stampede Wrestling out of. Uh, Calgary that we used to get on the uh, the VU 13 going That's way right. back now to the yeah. 80s uh, from uh, Calgary and of course I was uh, very very privileged and, and blessed I often call myself the force to come for broadcasters because I've managed to find myself uh, in many amazing uh, places I've you know growing up a pro wrestling fan and then having my indoctrination into broadcasting and pro wrestling with All Star Wrestling in Vancouver and then working with Stampede later on in my career. Uh, you know, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea, as we know, but uh, pro wrestling will always uh, have a a very special place in my heart. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, but you know, you were doing MMA eventually, and you know, obviously, we were talking about Pride and then Strike Force, and now Strike Force is gone. But you're still a Showtime Sports doing boxing. You got the Mayweather fight coming up in May. Uh, how's the transition been like for you? You know what? I have been very blessed, and again, uh, you know, people can say, "Man, this guy is just." Uh, always optimistic, always positive, always uh, looking at the bright side of life. And anyone who knows me very closely knows that that's not always been the case. We all have our trials and tribulations. We all have our obstacles to overcome. But uh, the timing could not have been any better. And again, I hearken back to the Forrest Gump metaphor. Here I am calling uh, Strike Force events, loving uh, uh, the opportunity to call some of the, the great fights in mixed martial arts. And, of course, we know what happened with uh, the UFC and, and, and Showtime and how that relationship ended. And, and thankfully for the Strike Force alum, they've been doing an amazing job in the octagon. And, of course, we're all looking forward to Saturday's UFC on Fox. But in terms of making the transition from MMA to boxing, it's been made much simpler due to the support and mentorship that I've received from everyone, uh, including, you know, at the top of the food chain, uh, the big boss man, Steven Espinoza, a man who's helped me greatly is David Dinkins, Jr., the executive producer, and, and of course, working with the likes of Brian Kenny, who's a staple at ESPN, now on Major League Baseball Network, one of the the, the great uh, consummate pros in broadcasting, and then Hall of Famer Al Bernstein and current WBA welterweight champion Pauli Malignaggi, as well as Jim Gray and the rest. Uh, you know, it, there's a saying in, in combat sports, iron sharpens iron. Well, I've been very blessed to work with so many talented individuals that, that you know, I'm, I'm hopefully getting better because of the, the company I keep. I have a long ways to go in terms of, you know, being content with where I am in boxing, but the fact that, you know, I'm literally a few weeks away from calling a Floyd Mayweather pay-per-view bout and getting ready to call a, a unification fight this Saturday in front of close to 40,000 people in San Antonio as Canelo clashes with Trout, uh, you know, and being in Madison Square Garden last December for Trout's big upset win over Miguel Cotto, uh, the transition has been amazing, and I've, I, you know, I've loved boxing from, from an infant. Uh, I was always attracted to combat sports, and I've been, like I say, very lucky to, to call everything from pro wrestling, MMA, Muay Thai, and now boxing at the highest level. Did you, I mean, looking back at Strike Force, though, I mean, did you see the writing on the wall? Well, it, it's funny because going back to March, uh, literally a couple of weeks before, or days maybe, before the March 12th announcement, uh, Dana White, our good friend Ariel Hawani, was announced that Strike Force had been purchased by the, the powers that be at uh, Zufa. We were in New Jersey for the opening round of the Heavyweight Grand Prix and, and very much built in the, the style of the Heavyweight uh, Grand Prix. And Scott Coker, a huge fan of the, the production of his background. 
Daniel Cormier, of course, came out of nowhere later as a replacement for Alistair Overeem and won the entire thing. But that night, my broadcast partner, Pat Militic, looked at me and said, you know what, Boy, we've made it. This is it. We were, we're at the UFC level, and it felt that way. It felt like Strike Force was making a run for not only relevance, because uh, say what you will about the Strike Force brand and everything else going back to 2006 when Frank Shamrock and Caesar Gracie, but mainly the legend Frank Shamrock, sold out the HP Pavilion, still to this day the highest paid uh, audience in, in, in the United States in terms of an MMA crowd. Uh, there were so many incredible moments, so many amazing fights and athletes, and and I can't say that I saw that the writing was on the wall. I know that there were issues uh, pertaining to Fedor's contract and, and the fact that, you know, he, he's a mere mortal like, uh, like the rest of us. He's a human being. I still think he's the greatest heavyweight uh, of our generation. And Fedor was obviously a big-ticket item, uh, being the legend from Pride Fighting Championships and, the you know, the baddest man on the planet during his era, the greatest heavyweight, I think. I know Dana White and I have debated in the past about who was the greatest mixed martial arts ever, uh, artist ever, and I know Anderson Silva has definitely um, made the, a big claim to that. But Fedor, it was almost a catch-22. You needed the big name. Strikeforce needed someone like Fedor to, 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 to add uh, credibility to the tournament. And, and yet he came at a, a big ticket price. And, you know, unfortunately for, for him and, and all of his fans and, and whatnot, he did not uh, prevail in the tournament. And I think there was some heat on uh, Fedor's, uh, you know, people and stuff that there was supposed to be maybe more of a, a uh, you know, cachet, as it were, for Strike Force. It was, it was a deal that needed to be made, but in the end, I guess, you know, with Showtime's boss at the time, Ken Hirschman, uh, putting on the pressure to, to sign him and, and stuff, that uh, it, in the end, that was one of the things, I think, that led to the fact that the Silicon Valley entertainment people wanted to, to get out of the MMA business, and so the UFC saw the opportunity and uh, doing what they are known for doing. They bought Pride, they bought WEC, they bought Strike Force, and they bolstered their uh, roster, and, and I think we're going to see just how uh, wise a move that was for them coming up on Saturday in San Jose when no less than seven Strike Force alums, yeah. some of them uh, people who have worked in the UFC before, guys like Josh Thompson, uh, but still, you know, made their bones in, in Strike Force are, are returning or making their debut in the Octagon. So I'm very happy for them. I, I'm very happy that I was a part of the, the Strike Force era on Showtime, and I hope that uh, one day. Uh, soon uh, MMA does return uh, to Showtime because in talking with uh, the boss, Steven Espinoza, he refuses to shut the door on MMA permanently, which to me is a, is, is a, is a good sign. Well, let's talk about uh, one of the, I guess, Strikeforce alumni, Gilbert Melendez. Um, he, you know, you're, fair, you're familiar with his style, and, and you've called many of his fights. How do you think he will fare against uh, Benson Henderson this Saturday night on uh, UFC on Fox 7? Well, Gilbert Melendez, for you know, he was the 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 flag bearer for Strike Force. Appeared on the first mm -hmm. show in March of 2006 against Harris Sarmiento. Won the Strike Force lightweight title in a fight that not a lot of people saw because, well, the 12,000 in attendance at the HP Pavilion would have saw it, but it was never televised. And it was a great back and forth scrap with Clay Guida. And then, of course, his trilogy with Josh Thompson. I think the greatest trilogy in MMA's short history, especially their second fight in December of 2009. But coming you know, off his last fight, a contentious 
split decision win over the aforementioned Thompson. A lot of people, including myself, thought Thompson did enough to win. But in talking to Gilbert Melendez, he he felt he said that you know he'd done everything he had to do in Strike Force, and and everyone knows that uh, whether you know right or not, the UFC is the Kleenex brand. They're the juggernaut. They're the the be on one end all of MMA these days. And in order for Gilbert to really be uh, considered the number one lightweight in the world, he would have to to beat the number one guy in the UFC, and that's Benson Henderson. And Henderson has really found his stride. He's a mm-hmm. huge lightweight. Uh, he's very well-versed in all facets of the game. You don't want to get into a clinch with this guy. Uh, you want to avoid his lethal leg kicks. And for Gilbert Melendez, uh, he's a boxer. He's a wrestler. He's got some vicious elbows, some great ground and pound. But I think it, it's up to him to try to finish Henderson, which is easier said than done. I think uh, there is a slight... Um, advantage for Melendez maybe in the the overall the, you know boxing technique, but in terms of power, like I say, Henderson's a big guy, and in terms of grappling, I mean Henderson still competes in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments, trained under uh, John Crouch, and and it's almost impossible to submit, no matter how uh, close you think he is to to tapping out. And so for Melendez, I think he's going to have to really uh, be methodical. I, I know that you know he wants to take this to the ground, but that's easier said than done against yeah. a guy like. Bendo and and yeah the you know I'm always going to be a Gilbert Melendez fan I'm a Benson Henderson fan I know in the media we're supposed to be unbiased I I don't really have any media affiliations other than Showtime Sports where I'm a boxing commentator so I'm looking forward to a very compelling and and very exciting fight that I think will go the distance and you know some days I wake up and say it's going to be Melendez and now talking to you <laughs> I tend to lean towards towards Henderson so yeah. I, I think it's going to be a very exciting fight. Daniel Cormier and uh, Frank Mir are also on this card. And, and finally, we get to see the, uh, Cormier in the UFC fighting you know, some of the top dogs. But um, man, just listening to Frank Mir on a preview show I was watching, uh, he looks very focused. He's down in Albuquerque training very hard. Uh, this is a very dangerous fight for uh, Daniel Cormier in his UFC debut. As it should be for a guy who has all the hype of a Daniel Cormier coming in to the UFC with amazing credentials coming out of uh, left field to win the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix undefeated. We know about his wrestling credentials uh, and and what he has done at AKA, an amazing camp. And you're right, Frank Mir, for the first time in his career, leaving the the friendly confines of his home of Las Vegas, working with Team Jackson. Winkle John was a coach with uh, Team Jones on the Ultimate Fighter. the best, you know, I would say with with Josh Barnett and Antonio Rodrigo Noguera, but Mir, one of the best heavyweight submission fighters you will find, a guy who was the first man to stop the, the legendary Big Nog with strikes and with that uh, sick Kamura uh, that we saw uh-huh. in, in Toronto. And and it is a tough test for Daniel Cormier, but, but I also know, having seen Daniel Cormier train, having called his fights in strike force, he just continues to get better and better, and, and you can't just say he's a wrestler. He is a, a great striker, and as much improvement as we've seen out of Frank Mir in his hands, I, I think Cormier is the better striker. I think Cormier is, is obviously the better wrestler, but yes, Frank Mir has the, the submission credentials, but it's, it's, you have to take Daniel Cormier down. Uh, Mir's a big heavyweight, and he has already stated that you know he thinks Daniel Cormier, because it's been floated around with Cain Velasquez now being the heavyweight champion out of the same camp, that Cormier might go down to light heavyweight, uh, regardless of the outcome against Frank Mir. And he's talked about one day fighting John Jones, but he's the same guy that, when he was captain of the Olympics, couldn't compete because he suffered from kidney failure trying to cut too much weight. And weight cutting is a, is a problem that all combat sports athletes face. I think Daniel Cormier is going 
going to make a statement on Saturday. I, I think he will serve notice that no matter if it's heavyweight or light heavyweight, he is he's one of the baddest men on the, the planet. And, and I think uh, being in San Jose in the backyard, being on Fox television, I think Daniel Cormier is going to serve notice to everyone that he's uh, a serious player in the UFC. And I, I think he will defeat Frank Mir. Okay, but then say that does happen and, and everything you're saying you know, materializes, what next? I mean, I mean, you can't really give him a title shot right now, can you? Well, it's, uh, you know, we got Bigfoot Silva, Cain Velasquez, too, which in a way is anticlimactic considering yeah, what happened yeah. the first time around, although Bigfoot has to be given plenty of credit for what he did to uh, Alistair Overeem. But then there's, you know, Chael Sonnen, who's challenging for a, a light heavyweight title coming off a loss in another division. So uh, you're right. I, I don't want to never say never, but I, I know the kind of relationships that are built in gyms and not all mm -hmm. fans maybe can appreciate it. And even those of us who, who cover the sport for a living, you know, business is business, but there is such a thing as camaraderie and, and, and friendliness and, and, you know, not wanting to fight those you, you bleed with in the, in the cage, you know, the blood, sweat and tears. And so if Cain Velasquez remains UFC heavyweight champion, then, then maybe we will see Daniel Cormier make an attempt to go down to light yeah. heavyweight. And if he does it properly, then, then yeah, I'd love to see Cormier uh, face uh, John Jones. If should Jones, yeah. well, when Jones gets past, Sonnen, although Chael Sonnen to me is one of the great things to happen in MMA. Oh, I just totally. don't see how he can defeat John Jones. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think I think maybe Cormier would be headed down to, to light heavyweight, but then, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, look what happened with Rashad Evans and, and John Jones, and I don't want to see the same thing materialize at AKA, but uh, it's up to Daniel Cormier to determine, you know, his fate. But first things first, he's got to get past yep. the former UFC heavyweight champion and Frank Mir. I know, it's exciting. I, I just love having Cormier in the heavyweight mix, man. There's just so many different things that can go down. It's cool. Hey, I'm going to take you in my uh, go in, uh, my time machine here. We're going to go back to last week. Uh, Kat Zagano and Misha Tate uh, fighting in the tough finale. Uh, did you think the stoppage was the right call? I think it totally was. Uh, I don't know what Yeah, what think. I, I, I admire Misha Tate's... Uh, willingness to want to keep going. Yeah. Misha Tate is one of the toughest oh. human beings on the planet. You can say what you will about her, her genetic makeup, and yes, she's a good-looking girl. There are plenty of good-looking girls. There are plenty of good-looking guys in MMA. Forget all of that stuff. She's a fighter, first and foremost, and she gave Kat Zingano all she could handle in the early stages, but Zingano, who all us hardcores knew was was you know the diamond in the rough, undefeated, uh, great power, unbelievable grappling, and and showed off some of her own striking, and and maybe in a way Misha Tate, you know, wanting to finish the fight early, uh, could have uh, you know tapped into her reserves a little too early, but she was she was decimated at the end there, and whether you know it was another extra shot or two, uh, Kim Winslow, who let's face it, one of the more inconsistent officials mm -hmm. in the sport. Uh, she did make the right call in, in stopping what was turning into a one-sided beatdown, and I'm of the, the school that I'd rather see a fight stopped one punch too soon than one punch too late. Absolutely. And or quite, strike. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's funny is uh, I kind of personally wanted to see Sagano and Rousey more than I wanted to see Misha Tate and Rousey. Sure, they look great on television together, and, and they have a little bit of a heat, and they got some rivalry, right? But uh, I, I just think as a matchup, Zagano and Rousey is going to be more interesting because there's a mystery. Well, it's something you know? fresh, and it's, yeah. and it's fresh. We saw, yeah. you know, it was Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey that won over Dana White, and so Misha Tate will always be a part of the, the history when uh, she lasted uh, almost the first round. But then, of course, Liz Carmouche, who 
really gave Ronda Rousey uh, some problems there with the rear naked choke and the neck crank attempt in the dramatic UFC 157 finale. There's so many great women. I know there were over 50 women trying out at the Ultimate Fighter uh, Season 18 wow. tryouts in Las Vegas. Many familiar names, uh, many uh, Strikeforce alum and Victor names. But yeah, Captain Gano, Ronda Rousey represents uh, a new dynamic and uh, will end up with uh, you know an undefeated uh, undefeated title fight. Two undefeated fighters fighting for the championship. That's uh, nice to see. So, yeah, so you got Rousey and Zagano now, the new coaches on uh, the upcoming uh, uh, tough season. Um, there, And like you said, there's a lot of women that are uh, trying out for the show. Do you, what, do you like the idea of men and women together? Uh, I find it kind of funny that uh, Ronda Rousey was saying that, uh, you, know, you know, you know, paraphrasing here, but women would be crazy to go on that show and, and hook up because, you know, it yeah. just, it would, the reputation, it wouldn't look good. So she doesn't see it happening, but... Uh, do you think this is going to be a major ratings booster for uh, for the network and the UFC? I, I think it's something that uh, is is a fresh, new dynamic. I was one of those that had been over the Ultimate Fighter for a few years. i got to give kudos to mm-hmm. uh, the way they filmed uh, this latest season. I thought Chael Sonnen was a revelation as a coach. I thought the yeah. fighters were were some of the best uh, talent in, in many years on the Ultimate Fighter, the way it was shot, a la, you know, a, an all-access of Showtime or 24-7 uh, style uh, of production and, and really staying away from a lot of the in-house shenanigans. I guess now with both men and women being in the house, we're going to have that real world, uh, you know, meets the <laughs> Ultimate Fighter dynamic. But yeah. at the end of the day, it is about winning that contract. And and so I, I tend to uh, side with Ronda Rousey, and, and I'm sure we're going to get dramatics, we're going to get hoopla, we'll get the the hookups as it were but but i'm hoping that the the athletes uh, you know show some some pride and respect for themselves their sport and each other and and focus on the training and, and focus on being the the best that they can be uh, and so you know I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what translates i know it's moving to fox sports one on wednesday nights uh which you know is is a work in progress in itself it's a brand new network and and you know with all these changes and it always weirds me out because I've always been perplexed at people not being able to find programming on television, no matter where it goes. But it's it's proof that, you know, it was on Fridays live. That didn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. It was on Mondays when it first came out in 2005 following Raw that really set the, 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 the sport on fire. Now it's moving to Wednesdays after a good season on Tuesday. So I don't know what the, the ratings will be like, but with the dynamic of, uh, you know, the new ingredient of women and men and Ronda Rousey's star power, uh, I think it should be a good season. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I was like you, man. I tuned out of the Ultimate Fighter, uh, you know, years ago. But uh, you know, this last one wasn't bad, and um, you know, well, I, I, you know, I'll probably tune in. I'll probably tune into the new one. Sure, I mean, yeah. it, it's yeah. it's got that curiosity factor, yeah. and and at the end of the day, I, you know, it's up to the, the the roster, it's up to the fights to keep us yeah. uh, entertained. And you know, when you had guys like Uriah Hall this past season do what he was doing, I mean, it became where yeah, you you didn't want to miss, and there were some great fights, and of course. You know, uh, kudos to Kelvin Gastelum, the ultimate underdog, who who comes, uh, you know, from from where he was to, to defeating Uriah Hall, who Dana White called the nastiest man in tough history. And there's something to be said about, you know, not maybe freezing under the big lights. Or I know Uriah said that they were friends. He didn't really take it all that seriously. But it's the it's the old football axiom, you know, on any given night. And, and that's what makes MMA so, so wonderful and so unpredictable <laughs> is that yeah. you never can fully predict what's going to happen. Okay, so I've got to ask you this. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I, I do want to ask you, John Jones, Chael Sonnen, are you excited about this fight? And, and do you give Sonnen much of a chance? Mm, to be honest, no, I'm not yeah. all that excited because 
no disrespect to any of the fighters involved. I love, like I say, I'm a pro wrestling guy at heart. Yeah. I love what Jail Sonnen has brought to the sport in, in terms of the, the, the attention and his promos and mm-hmm. all that wonderful stuff. But to be able to challenge for a title coming off a loss in another weight class, and it doesn't seem very fair to me to those that are you know, toiling in the light heavyweight division, whether it's an Alexander Gustafson, who we know suffered a cut that scuttled his, his plans for a fight with uh, Gegard Mousasi, or even mm-hmm. you know, Dan Henderson, who we saw in a very lackluster fight against uh, Lyoto Machida. There, there are people at 205 that deserve at least an opportunity. And, and yes, Jail Sonnen will bring eyeballs, and he's, he's great on UFC tonight. He's got an amazing future as a, as a commentator, an analyst, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the, it's funny when people say they're, you know, pro wrestling and MMA should never be talked about in the same sentence. Well, yeah. I present to you Jail Sonnen versus John Jones for the main event. It's funny, John Jones though doesn't seem to be. I mean, maybe it is part of an act for John, but he's he's not promoting the fight. He's kind of just kind of being, he's just letting Chael do it, do all the work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's well, when it um, comes to when it comes to you know promoting. I don't know if anyone wants to get into a duel with Chael. And no. and I've heard the criticisms about John Jones not doing his part to to sell the fight. But here's a guy that didn't want to fight. You know, Chael's son in on eight days' notice at UFC 151 when uh, Dan Henderson was injured, and mm-hmm. and to be honest, I, I sometimes wonder about the dynamics of of in the relationships of the fighters and the promoters and, and everyone involved. John Jones is is doing his thing. He's he's the champion. He's one of the top fighters in the sport, and you know he's if he doesn't have to say anything, I, I guess he doesn't need to. I mean, is 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 his skill speaks for itself, and, and Shell does enough talking for, for the both of them. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, you're, uh, you're actually, hey, we have Lorenz Larkin coming on after you. and uh, Oh, Monsoon! Give yeah. my best to Lorenz. I'm really looking forward to his uh, debut. Uh, again, a guy who, you know, came out of uh, nowhere on Strikeforce Challengers, uh, beat Scott Lighty, and, uh, and a tremendous striker, and, you know, lost to King Mo, which was overturned because of the positive drug test but I, I i like lorenz larkin and i'm glad he's getting an opportunity to 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 showcase his stuff in in the octagon yeah well, i was going to ask you also you're a tv connoisseur like me uh what's must see tv for you right now what are you watching give us your morrow top five for tv shows right now wow top five you're right i'm uh i love my sofa spud sundays but uh man i'm just going to throw five out there i'm really into game of thrones i'm into um uh, a new show called The Vikings. I love mm. The Walking Dead. Looking forward to Dexter. Uh, Californication just wrapped up. Shameless just wrapped up. I love The Following. I'm watching uh, Hannibal on NBC <laughs> Thursday night. The Americans on Wednesday night. Uh, I love uh, quality premium cable television. I'm catching up on Mad Men. I'm on season two of that series. So yeah, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a TV file. But those are are some of the great shows that I'm watching right now. Oh, and Guilty Pleasure of All Guilty Pleasures for me, Gary <laughs> Busey on Celebrity All-Star Apprentice and Gordon <laughs> Ramsay on Hell's Kitchen tonight. And by the way, I met Gordon Ramsay. I was in uh, oh, yeah? Manchester last November to call the, uh, the, 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 the coming out of retirement fight for Ricky Hatton yeah. against uh, uh, Senchenko. And I met Gordon Ramsay in the hotel lobby, oh, and geez. I was disappointed. He didn't <laughs> curse me out. He was actually a very nice guy. I was like, what? You're not going to tell me to F off? What is going on here? He's got a little professional wrestling blood in him, you know? <laughs> you know, he likes to call a good uh, he's, promo. He's, he's a, he's a, it's a one-trick pony, but I'm enjoying the ride. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, hey, speaking of shows, plug your show. You got a new one. Well, 
I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I actually have just uh, putting together the third episode, and I can't tell you how uh, pleased I have been with the the reaction of the first two shows. I'm kind of going back to the roots of when I started Fight Network Radio in uh, 2007, where I wanted to cover you know everything that I was involved in, pro mm. wrestling, MMA, and and even boxing, and now even more so, you know, having called pro wrestling, MMA, and now calling boxing. So it's called the show. I spent a lot of hours, a lot of money coming up with a very creative title, and uh, <laughs> the the experts told me. The show with Mauro Ranallo was as good as it was going to get. It's on my website, MauroRanallo.com. It's usually up by Wednesday nights or yeah. Thursday morning. Uh, on the first episode, we had uh, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. I've spoken to Showtime sports boss Steven Espinoza. Lots of great guests. And actually, this week, today, I recorded an epic 60-minute yes, 60 interview was Sean Waltman, better known as uh, X-Pac yeah. in professional wrestling. He was in mm -hmm. WWE, WCW, TNA. I also have a 25-minute interview with Gilbert Melendez, who, of course, is challenging Benson Anderson on Saturday. And I'm going to be joined by the golden boy Oscar De La Hoya to uh -huh. talk about the big run of events beginning this Saturday in San Antonio, next Saturday in uh, New York, and then culminating with Floyd Mayweather, Robert Guerrero on pay-per-view in Las Vegas, May 4th. So I really try to bring out the big guns. I like to cover all of combat sports have fun doing it, and I thank you for the opportunity to shamelessly plug my wares. <laughs> I love that extra creativity, though, eh? I mean, you just be mm -hmm. able to do your own show, plug in guests that you Absolutely. want to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? That's one of the reasons I decided to uh, leave. Uh, you know, my favorite country in the world, my my home country, Canada. There will never be any country like it, and I will always call it home. But but I was getting a little stale in the in the center of the universe there in Toronto with what was going on with the Score Television Network. I didn't like the way they 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 handled the MMA coverage at the end there, canceling uh, my show with no real reason whatsoever. And mm. and so I needed to get out of the concrete jungle. I've got friends here like Frank Shamrock, Boss Rune, and all the action as we know is in. Los Angeles. It's a hotbed of even MMA and all these other events. And, and so, yeah, I finally said, you know what? I've been at this for 27 years. I'm now 43. I'm enjoying life as a boxing commentator, but I want to get back to doing my own thing. And, and so when you're able to produce your own show and, and do what you want to do, it, it, it rests on your shoulders. So like it or loathe it, it's, it's all on me. And then, like I say, I cannot believe uh, the feedback so far, and I'm just having a blast, and, and I look forward to, to producing many more shows. Dude, man, we're, we we had a blast talking to you. It's it's BC Bud and Mauro Ronaldo on MMA Sucker Radio. Absolutely, dude. I like it. Your show is awesome. We're, uh, everyone, again, go to MauroRonaldo.com. Check it out, the show. Uh, he does a great job. He's the, one of the best in the biz. Mauro, thanks for doing this. Hey, guys, thank you so much, and keep up uh, the good fight. I really appreciate you guys having me on. That was Mauro Ranallo, and that is my favorite guest of all time. Of all time? That's saying something, man. I mean, yeah, we've I, had some I, pretty big guests. Yeah, I know, man. It, just from just bring him onto a podcast and just talk with the guy. You know? Yeah. There's some guys we bring on, and, and I love talking to a lot of different people. It's the beauty of having this podcast. We, you do such a great job, Jeremy, of bringing some good guests on here. And, um, but that's I just love just you forget that it's a podcast. You're just having a telephone conversation. Yeah, it's you just chatting I mean? with someone about yeah. what they love, and Mauro Ronaldo definitely loves what he does. Because there's some great guests we bring on that just sometimes don't give us much, but that's just their personality, you know what I mean? Uh, with Mauro, it's, you know, just bring up any subject and we could talk about it for half an hour. So He literally does talk for half an hour. <laughs> you could ask him a question and he will go on for half it's an just, hour. Uh, his brain is always going, man. That's good. 
Yeah, now, I, like, I like how he calls us BC Bud. It's yeah. just you have no idea how true that is. Anyway. Before we um, did that interview, I said there were a few other controversy, controversial fights on the tough finale that we watched this past week. Gabriel Gonzaga, Travis Brown. Supposedly Gonzaga's uh, team is going after yeah. the athletic commission because of these elbows that Brown landed. I, I didn't... The first one knocked him out with an elbow to the ear. The second one was to the same side, and then his head sort of turned, and it looked like he got him in the other ear with the other elbows. Um, I didn't think it was too big a deal. Supposedly the only thing he can do at this point is he can't look to have the fight oh. overturned because the referee called it what it was. The only thing he can do is is try to get a rematch. Oh, I see, I see. So Misha Tate you know, having a finger or two on the mat, to me I say it's not that's not big of a deal you know, near in the face. Uh, but uh, now you're saying, uh, you know, you know, Wait. you didn't think the, the, the elbow in the back of the head was, you know, that, that big of a deal. No, I didn't, I, mean? I didn't like, really. I didn't think that, I didn't think he got him in the, I think, okay, he, but okay, I'm just saying this it's, is it's what, the same thing as Misha Tate having a finger. Or two I, on yes, the ground, right? for sure. Here's the question at hand that I have. He was out after the first two elbows, which weren't to the back of the head. No, he was out. Yeah. Completely out. He was dropping to his knees. Um, the referee came to jump in as he was throwing those other two elbows that are at question. Does as this, Gonzaga does, change, uh, turns his head too. Yeah. Does right. this? Does this? Does the fact that the referee was jumping in there play any factor in it? Okay, that, well, that, that they were saying that they were to the back of the head. No. The the referee jumped in because the first two elbows, like no, you I said, don't mean that. I don't mean that. I mean if if you were to take say say this went to the commission. Yeah. And and. Because the referee was jumping in anyway, yeah, the extra elbows don't mean anything, do they? I I don't. It was an inadvertent. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't think they mean anything. No, I see what you're saying. I I, I don't think that we've seen inadvertent elbows to the back of the head before. Inadvertent, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the referee say, "Hey, watch, watch the back of the head." You know, um, that wasn't the elbow that did him in, whether you believe it was in the back of his head. You I know, don't. No, I I, I don't think do. Gabriel Gonzaga really has anything to complain about here. No, he, exactly. He, Travis uh, Brown looked like a beast with those elbows. And Gonzaga's pissed about getting knocked out that way. Yeah, for sure. You know? I mean, Gonzaga was going to go in there. He was tried, you know, I think he was, his whole game plan was to take Travis Brown to the ground. Gonzaga wanted to show his jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, I just think that it was just unfortunate that uh, Gonzaga got caught. And some vicious elbows by Brown, right to the side, right to the temple. You know. Oh yeah, those were devastating. Another fight on the card that I sort of wanted to chat about a little bit mm-hmm. was the first fight that Kim Winslow refereed, Maximo Blanco versus Sam Cecilia. It was the second fight on the card. I didn't see it actually. I have it on my PVR. I haven't watched Kim- it yet. Winslow warned Maximo Blanco <laughs> nine times for having his hands in the fence. Nine times. When are you going to choose to take a fucking point away from a guy? Nine times. The fight would have ended up being a draw. If I'm telling you, the tenth time, you're in trouble. What, why Don't make would it, me get why, to 11. Why would someone stop grabbing the fence if you've heard it nine times and she hasn't done anything about it? Okay, well, first off, I mean, it's not just Kim Winslow that does that, okay? Even some of the better referees, you know. Do that, like not, Herb Dean. Not, Herb Dean likes to warn guys. About yes, that, warn guys, that, and then he. It's like four or five times in a fight. Nine times. Yeah, I understand that's excessive, but that's Kim Winslow, man. Okay, she is the referee at question in the Misha Tate Cat Zingano fight as well. Okay, but I actually agreed she with her warned, with her stoppage on that fight. She warned Misha Tate that. 
not even a minute into the fight about grabbing the fence. Okay, well, the thing about Kim <laughs> Winslow is, is she like does she? It's almost like she does play by play. Yeah, you know, as a referee, she's warning everybody everything, or she'll let them know about the time. Damon Martin you know, did a fantastic piece on Bleacher Report oh, about yeah? Kim Winslow refereeing a fight too much. Yes, no, that's exactly it. That's yeah. Damon Martin says it's better than me. It's it's funny. She'll she'll tell you what time it is and where the sun is setting. <laughs> Maybe know? she'll she'll hum her favorite tune in your ear. <laughs> I'm surprised that she's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, whistling. Well, anyways, and <laughs> enough of that. Let's get into our next guest. Who is it, Trev? I don't know. You lined it up. Okay, we got Lorenz Larkin on the line. <laughs> That's three for a loop there. He's currently undefeated and fighting this Saturday night at UFC on Fox 7 in San Jose. He's hiding on the FX portion of the undercard, but this guy's a beast. And set to take on Francis Carmont. Welcome to the show, Lorenz Larkin. What's going on? Hey. Um, first off, bro, I got to ask you because I, <laughs> every time we have someone new on this on the show that we haven't had on before, we always ask the the first question: uh, How did you get into the sport of mixed martial arts? Um, I did amateur boxing, and then um. At the weight I was at, I kind of figured that, you know, I was too short, you know, mm. for that weight class. So I just kind of dabbled in kickboxing, a little bit of grappling, and then um, just kind of progressed from there. First off, I mean, people who don't, you know, maybe didn't follow you in Strike Force, just let people know sort of, you know, what you're all about. Like, what, where, where do you think that uh, you're, you're the strongest as a mixed martial artist? Um... I would say on my feet, you know. I mean, that's what you know. That's what everybody says. So yeah, you know, on my feet, you know, I guess my striking. The glitz and glamour that you know that you found in in Strike Force. I mean, that was a fairly big promotion, and then now you're here in the UFC. Do you think that extra pressure being on the bigger stage will phase you? And like, and, and how do you prepare mentally for something like that? Um, I, it's kind of you know. I would say you know I was kind of. Um, I was kind of lucky, you know. I kind of kind of got the the long end of the stick because, um, you know, my first fight in Strikeforce was the first fight that Zufa. That was the first kind of takeover fight that you know mm-hmm. when Zufa fought. So you know, my my first contract with Strikeforce was under Zufa. Yeah. So you know, I mean, um, you know, they ran their same procedure that they do, you know, with UFC. So I'm, I'm kind of used to that. I mean, the only thing that's you know in my eyes that's going to change is, you know, the crowds are bigger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But other than that, you know, uh, it's kind of the same thing to me. Do you find the media has been different a little bit? I mean, leading up to this fight in comparison to your last Strike Force fight, um, does does the media tour get to you a little more? No. You know, the only thing that I haven't experienced yet, I mean, until today, was what, uh, we just flew in, and then um, once when I got out of the van, there, there was fans, you know, that um, – wanted my autograph, you know, once when we got out of the van to the hotel. That's hmm. never happened before. That's cool, though, eh? I, 
we only seen fans, you know, on fight day. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. That must be cool, though, you know, signing autographs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Did you ever think that you'd be in this position, looking back, you know, at your life? Did you ever think that you would be uh, on this big of a stage? Uh, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I thought, you know, maybe I'd be like a chef or a hairdresser or something, you know. <laughs> Speaking of hairdressing, <laughs> speaking yeah. of hairdressing, I saw a photo on your Twitter earlier today. You just got your hair done today. Um, just to let people know what that is. You got the funky design on your head, and and that's something that you're known for. Whoa, now. Whoa. chemo sabi. That's a real side bell, man. You can't be talking. You can't be talking about funky design. No, but what what it is? It's um, <laughs> the, 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 the city where I'm from. The city where I'm from is Riverside, uh, California, and uh, yeah. that's like a city symbol. Really? Okay. Okay. Cool, man. Man, I just got called out. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's calling my city symbol funky. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't. It, it was a funky design. I mean, you're it's you're known good. for doing the flashy things with your hair. Your your version of funky <laughs> is different than his version of funky, Lawrence. Mine's a Canadian funky. Yeah, I, guess. I guess you know. I don't know. Maybe that's a Canadian okay. thing. I don't know. I got I got to get your language. Yeah. You got to get the, the you got to get the Canadian lingo down, eh? Um, okay. <laughs> did you happen to? Uh, well, first off, you're fighting Francis Carmont. Did you happen to catch his last fight against Tom Lawler? Um, because many believe that he lost that fight. Yeah, you know, I watched that fight. You know, as it was happening. Well, not not there, but you know, but I was, yeah. I watched that you know, the UFC card, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I believe that he lost. You know what I mean? Um. Um. I don't even know how, how was it was it a split or was it a yeah, unanimous? It was a, it was a split. It was a split. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I I think Lawler should have took it in on the on the split. You know what I mean? But I mean, you leave it in the judges' hands, and you know anything can happen. So when you're looking at Francis Carmont, um, you know, are do you see holes in his game at all? You see things that you can definitely exploit. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing is you know like. You know, I, I go in with a little bit of a game plan. You know, there's a small game plan, something simple, but most of it is, you know, is uh, just adapting to, to my opponent. You know what I mean? So, you know, once when I get in there, I'm not really trying to implement a certain type of strategy towards them. Yeah. I'm just kind of adapting and getting, and getting used to them and, and going from there. Now you guys are both large, large fighters in in the weight division you're in. You haven't fought since July, and that was your middleweight debut. Um, did the weight come up be, with such the long layoff, and and has it been tough getting it off, cutting for this fight? Yeah, you know the my weight cuts are <laughs> tough mentally, not physically. Yeah. Like you know, I, I started this weight cut at what, uh, probably like two thirty. Yeah. But um. You know, the weight falls off easy on me. You know what I mean? It's just a mental thing. Sometimes I have relapses and eat pizza and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, this, this weight cut was better, you know, my second yeah. time around. Do you get tired of it, though? I mean, when you're doing it, do you go, oh, man, this is, i got to think of a better weight class. You know, I always think about fighting. You know, I always kind of question myself, why can't I just be like, you know, some <laughs> – some big time CFO running a company and, and, <laughs> and you know, not worried about fighting and drive, driving a, a, a Lambo. You know, sometimes I question why I do this, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I, I love it. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know. 
But I mean, I'm just talking like the weight cut. Like you said, it's a mental thing, and it must just get kind of you must just get so fed up with it. Not so much the sport yeah, and fighting, but... just the the weight cutting. I know that's part of it, but you know, I mean, you're you're a fairly big guy. I mean, you know, you, you yeah, could probably I mean, it, fight up, you know, at light heavyweight. The good thing is, you know, it falls off of me. I'm not this yeah. like lean fighter that you know that's like struggling. You know, my my diet is is really loose. You know what I mean? So I, I can have cheat days and, and cheat weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's not that bad for me. You know what I mean? But, I mean, when you get – the whole reason why I cut, you know, to and go to 185 was when I was on the local shows, when I was fighting 205, you know, the guys were my size. Yeah. So, you know, the higher you go up in the shows, you know, the bigger these guys get. And, and you know, it's you only want to, you know, stay – at least keep it at a level – uh, I level playing field, you know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, 185 is my class. That's the guys that are that are my size. You know, they might have a little height on me, but other than that, we're still the same size. Who are the, some of the guys in the sport right now that you uh, you enjoy watching? Nobody. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's no, awesome. I, I like, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Anderson fan. I'm a Bisping fan. Um, I'm a Faber fan. Yeah, you know, just all the exciting fighters. You know what I mean? Uh, that really, that are the real, that are really exciting. You know what I mean? To watch and always bring it. So those are the ones that you know I, I really like to watch. Yeah, I read somewhere that uh, you got a background in kung fu. You know what? You know, made you take up that, you know, martial art. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you did it uh, when you were a lot younger. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, my my mom put me in in in. in a couple classes and um you know just just for me to do you know yeah. before I, I started being in you know it was it was cool at the time you know what i mean but yeah, absolutely but other than that you know i haven't i haven't trained in it but um the whole reason why I, I always stated you know like my style was like kung fu was because everything that i learned you know as far as from boxing kickboxing and 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 all that you know what i mean um i will i always try to throw you know how can I put it? Uh, everybody in the sport gets taught the exact same thing. Everybody gets taught the jab, the chew, the hook, the uppercut. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always try to, I always try to, you know, throw things from the weirdest angles and and try to mix it up and and, and make it my own. And that's why I always I always said it's like kung fu. You ah. know what I mean? Because it's always something weird getting thrown at you. No man, it's creative. Do you got a favorite martial arts movie? Like, what do you like to watch? Even if you watch it over and over and over again. Uh, I okay. like Jackie Chan. Uh, what's yeah. my name? When they fought those two white twins on the, yeah. on the top of the roof. Okay, oh, that was pretty dope. That, that and um. Are you a blood sport guy or Chinese Connection? I know mean, I like Chinese Connection. Oh yeah. Oh, I like uh, Bruce Leroy. <laughs> right, on. right on. Did you ever check out that movie Raid Redemption? By the way. Highly recommended if you're going to look at a you know, good action flick, by the way. Raid Redemption. Yeah. Is that the one where he's in front of a building on yeah, the, the cover and a small guy in front of the building? Well, what it is is they, they're, they're, they, the police, they go into a building to get rid of these gangsters, and it's just like it's like Die Hard on steroids with some serious good Filipino martial arts. Yeah, but the, but the cover of the like the DVD is yes. a guy in front of this yes. big like, building. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, I was gonna rent that one day, but I was like, nah, it's probably no. Watch it before so, you fight. Um, Put it in the hotel. Yeah, room. now Get I gotta rent it. 
Yeah, there you go. That'll pump you up. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm going to ask you something here. Chael Sonnen, uh, John Jones, UFC 159, who do you got? I'm going to have to say Jones. Yeah, why? Um, Jones is just has has everything uh, on his side. You know what I mean? I, I think that if Jones's wrestling isn't better, I mean, I mean is it better than and then uh, Chell's? It's just at the same level. Mm-hmm. He's taller. Uh, he's, he's he has a big reach on him. You know what I mean? And 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 Chell's stand up isn't all that. And I think that you know uh, John Jones's wrestling is going to be able to nullify you know Chell's takedown. So I think it's going it's going to be a hard night for uh, Chell. That seems to be what a lot of people are picking for those very reasons. Um, it'll be hilarious, though. I mean, it would be actually pretty shocking if Chael Sonnen does what many people believe that he can't do. Oh, man. If he, if he beats John Jones, man, that guy's going to take over the world. <laughs> hey, uh, if, if you had a Lorenz, I mean, if you're a pretty chill guy. If you if you had your own little you know podcast that you did once a week, Lorenz Larkin podcast, but you couldn't talk about fighting, what would it be about? Food. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> all day. So we get back to the weight cutting thing and why it's so difficult for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and what do you get? Uh, what do you do in your spare time to get your mind off of fighting? And don't say food. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I'm I'm pretty active. Oh, this probably gonna get me in trouble, but I'm pretty active, man. I like going snowboarding, quadding. Um, I used to have a street bike. I used to ride that. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Dana White. Yeah. Just give Dana White a call. I snowboard and have a street bike. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I Go on, go on. Well, you know, oh, I was going to say, and for a black guy, I'm pretty damn good snowboarding. <laughs> I actually just read uh, about five, ten minutes ago that you're an extreme night owl and, and you go to bed really late but still wake up fairly early. What are you doing until the wee hours of the night? Watching TV, I'm like a reality, uh, well, I don't know, I don't want to say that word. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can cuss or not. Oh, you I mean, can cuss all you but, want. Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a reality whore, man. Yeah. I, I watch it all. So I stay up watching all the things that I DVR'd, you know, the <laughs> night before when I was gone at practice. Yeah. So like reality TV, like Dancing with the Stars You like stuff? Dancing with the Stars, don't you? No, not Dead with Stars. I like like Real Housewives of Orange County and Atlanta. Uh, what else? The Voice. Um, I used to watch So You Think You Can Dance, but they haven't had a new season yet. <laughs> you oh, gonna... Real World. Okay, yeah, Real World. Yeah, they're trying that with the next Ultimate Fighter. By the way, they're bringing in some guys and girls. It's going to be kind of like Real World with with that, violence. That's funny. That's the exact same thing I've been saying. I was like, that's just going to be a Real World with fighting. Anything else? I mean, besides like uh, reality shows, are you into like? Are you a Game of Thrones guy? No, you know everybody was watching it. You know what? What episode? What uh, season? I was really into was um, True Blood. No, really? Wow. Yeah, I watched all the True Blood seasons. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, last question for you before we let you go. Um, we asked this to a lot of our guests, and we put it on our site, MMASucker.com. Uh, we call it fight music. What do you listen to to get yourself in the mood to punch someone in the face? Uh, it depends, man. I, I, I listen to, I kind of listen to almost everything except for country. So, um, 
it goes anywhere from like from death metal to to um, Adele. It, it just it 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 it, it changes up. It's a mood it thing, right? Huh? It's a mood thing, right? It's, it's whatever mood you're in. Yeah. Yeah, what type of mood I'm in. So, but but say, you, if you wanted to listen to some, a specific artist, like if you're in the mood to, to get aggressive, you're going to uh, punch Francis Carmont in the face. What song? What would be your soundtrack song for that? Hmm. Um, what song would be for that? We're, we're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. <laughs> that's cool man uh, you know what uh, we're going to let you go we're, we're going out with some Daft Punk here and uh, they're considered funky by the way just letting you know oh okay yeah no I like Daft Punk yeah they got a new so album like coming out May 21st stuff. yeah okay yeah so there you go so that's what we consider you know funky music and so you know it, that's fairly stylized and your hair is fairly stylized and we really appreciate having you on Oh, man, it's awesome, man. Thanks, guys. Jeez, did I get called out there or what? Wow. He didn't like the term calling his hair funky. I, th- I, th- I Maybe we're th- just two, like, lame-ass white guys. I don't know. I do think his hair is pretty <laughs> funky, though. Have you seen it? He's got, like, some f- designs yeah. in his hair. He yeah, says I've seen it before. It's pretty damn funky, I think. But- There's a lot of guys do that, you know? Carve up their heads, make it look like a jack o' lantern. Well, I'd even—I don't know about that. I but you know what go I mean. That far, you'd probably get your head cut off if, if if you said that. I got in trouble for saying funky, but and you know what? I had in the '80s. I used to put the little lines in the side of my head. I put my hockey number in the back of my head. I bet you did. What? You number sixty-nine? No, number six actually. But we all <laughs> did. The entire team. That was a thing back in the in the '90s. Was putting your putting your, your number, number yeah, on your head. yeah. The, you know. Maybe if you played on like a good team or like you were, we were I mean, I know, you, I know, hey, I know you we were, were in the provincials. No, no, hey, That's I, all of BC. No, no, I understand. I understand you're really good, but I mean, let's be honest. Like five people come out and watch a game. No, minor hockey is pretty big in BC, man. Triple A. Yeah. Okay, well, who did you play for? Killarney back then. Killarney. Yeah. So a lot of people came out to your games. Yeah, it was yeah. full house, man. You got cheering moms, hockey moms, and stuff. Oh it's, yeah, the crowd's I mean, crazy though. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. guess so. Yeah, especially so in the provincials. There's, there's like ten the, teams. Did in the, the ladies like right? it when you put your number in? Uh, I in was your hair? really, really young at that point. There were, it wasn't time for the ladies at that point. <laughs> really? Well, it, it was, was like, always the time for the ladies for like, me. When I was in kindergarten, it was the time for the ladies. Well, I, I, I agree with that. But oh, yeah. I'm saying when it came to hockey, at, when I was like nine and ten years old, it was all about hockey. For well, sure, you know. So even at nine and ten, you weren't into the ladies. Oh no, I was into. You the were ladies, into the boys. I was into hockey. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I was into the hockey. You were into to hockey too much. You didn't care about chicks at that point. At yeah, ten years old, you did not care about chicks. No, I did care about chicks, but not when I was on the ice. So I was like, okay, well, obviously, you know. Thought I was gonna be an NHL player, man. Did you? Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, fuck yeah. Then I every kid, ACL. every Canadian kid is thinks he's gonna make it to the NHL, though. Yeah. You know. You know, oh, I thought wow. I was going to make it to the NHL, and I never played. <laughs> <laughs> I was figuring out some sort of way that they would get me onto the, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that was my team in the 80s. The Coilers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, this fun weekend, show. This what, weekend. We, we should probably talk out. about, yeah, wow. We just said that almost in the same time. Uh-huh. UFC 159. No, what, UFC on Fox 7, actually. Oh, come on. Friend. Let's go like two weeks ahead. 
No. no. UFC on Fox 7. Main event. Ah. Benson Henderson defending his lightweight championship against yes. Gilbert Melendez. It's sort of a unification bout between the Strike Force Championship and the UFC Championship, which hasn't been done for quite what, some time. What about the John Jones Jail Sonnen fight? What do you think about that one? No, I don't want to talk about that one until <laughs> next week. But yeah, there's some doozy fights yeah. on this card. Well, I mean, we were, we were talking tomorrow about the Henderson Melendez fight, Mir Cormier fight. Um, Nate Diaz, he's fighting on 420. Yeah, there's a few guys fighting on 420 that shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> we spoke to someone a few weeks ago who had a fight, and he's fighting on this card. Yeah, Sounds and like, he partakes. Uh, well, we don't know that for sure. Sounds but like it. Should be a good one. 420 uh, in California, Anaheim. Anaheim. Uh, Gilbert Melendez <laughs> is pretty much home field advantage for it's this like, main event. Do you think that, you think that was on purpose? Honestly, think about the UFC here. I mean, it's just so blatantly obvious. On April 20th, we're going to have a fight card. It's going to be in California. It's going to be made up of a lot of California fighters and Canadian from Alberta. <clears throat> um, and we're going to have Nate Diaz on there. If they could get Nick Diaz and George St. Pierre on that card, if it, if it wasn't in Montreal, they would get that fight on that card. Would you not agree? I mean, it, it just seems like... Do you not find it funny? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. For, this, for a company, though... Card... But no, listen for you a second. For a company, though, that doesn't like their fighters you know, to have traces of marijuana in their system. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a little bit of, you know, marketing going on here. Do you not think? 420? <laughs> okay, maybe I'm, you know, sorry. Maybe it's a conspiracy theorist to me here, but I just I don't know. But kind of find it convenient. Yeah, it'd be funny if the poster had a big marijuana leaf <laughs> in the background. Puff right? of smoke in the background. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just a little bit, you know. Just You had to be high to really notice it. <laughs> <laughs> this this card though is a, a strike force versus UFC type card, especially for all of the all of the main card fights. We got uh, Benson Henderson Gilbert Melendez, as we said, in the co-main event. It's the strike force heavyweight Grand Prix winner Daniel Cormier taking on the former uh, UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir. Do you call him two-time heavyweight champion? You could two-time. Do you, but. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you just did it, eh? Yeah. Um, I thought it, but then Two I time. <laughs> but, you know, he he kind of technically was like, I call it one and a half. Because it was interim? Yeah. I don't know. He uh, It's pretty sweet that he beat Brock Lesnar. Um, yeah, but then it was pretty sweet when Brock Lesnar beat him up. Yeah, it was. Do you, do you, I don't know you about this forget fight. About that, I think don't you? Daniel Cormier is going to kick the shit out of Frank Mir. I don't. I don't really. Give, yeah, I don't. Frank Mir looks like he's ready to go. Like he was. He was saying like he was out of shape the last fight. He yeah. came out of shape. I don't think he looked that out of shape. He, he actually he did. He did look a little bit out you of shape. So? He he didn't. Hmm. A couple fights ago, he looked absolutely ripped and, and yeah. jacked, and and he didn't look like that his last fight. But it it could be an interesting tussle. It'll depend on whether. What Mir is going to do if Daniel Cormier just constantly takes him down? Obviously, he's good well, off I, his I'm, back. I'm hoping. I'm thinking Mir is hoping. Yeah, that, that happens. Yeah, Cormier could take him down, and I it's it's tough with a wrestler who has such good top <laughs> yeah. control. Yeah, you know what though? Yeah, you're, there is that because we saw what. And speaking of Lesnar, we saw what Lesnar did to Frank Mir all those years ago at UFC 100, where you had a really good accomplished wrestler, um, did a really good job of keeping Mir on his back. So, um, I, I just don't think Mir would catch Cormier in something that he caught Lesnar in. Uh, in their first fight, so no, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I I, I was already kind of leaning towards Daniel Cormier, and uh, you know maybe it comes down to the striking. I mean, Frank Mir surprised us before with his striking. Yeah, his boxing looked great against yeah. Noguera. Yeah. Um. So you know, 
Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I like your pick as well. I, I take uh, Cormier. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Josh Thompson getting another crack at the UFC, taking on Nate Diaz as you <coughs> mentioned, four twenty. Um, should be a good fight. I, I, who do you, who do you got in this fight? I got Nate Diaz um, by puffing win. Uh, I, I think Nate Diaz is gonna roll right over Josh Thompson. Even though Josh Thompson, I mean, many believe that he he won the last Gilbert Melendez fight. Yeah. Um, Josh Thompson yeah, is no. You know, it was close. I I gave I did give it to Melendez if I, I remember didn't. correctly. Well, we never agree on anything. No, but uh, the fight I'm looking forward to most on this card. Let's not get into that one anymore. Is the next fight that I'm going to talk <laughs> okay, about? Okay. The opening, Why don't you just control this? The okay. opening fight. I won't say anything about the, the Nate Fox Diaz card. I won't give it any insight. Matt at all. Brown. Okay. Against Canadian Jordan Meehan. That fight is going to be fireworks. Matt Brown's been knocking people out at will. Is I it? think it's going to be a good, good tussle. You got some pieces coming out this week about those two fighters, do you not? Oh, you, you, you I'm allowed to talk now? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. It's going to be good. We could, Well, we had both of them on. Yes, we did. I'm saying it's going to be a good yeah. fight. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. And then, yeah, two pieces coming up. And uh, I'm just thinking here, actually, I don't know who I'm going to take in this fight. It's a I, big step up. I it think. is. It's a I big think Jordan, step up for Jordan. Yeah. Matt Brown's on a tear. Four-fight winning streak. Could be five if he beats Jordan. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know. I think, I, I think I, it might be a big, big, big step up for Jordan in this fight. But you've got to think. On short notice. This, if he wins this, then he's right up there. He's a name's name? He is a name's name's So name. who are you picking? Wait, I mean, okay, I first off. I wanted to get my pick in the lightweight fight. I'm I'm taking Nate Diaz. We already went over that. I know. I'm just saying. I okay. I got to say it. And, and then and in this fight, I'm gonna take. Uh, uh, my heart is Jordan Mian, but I just have a feeling this is gonna be a bit of a, a learning curve here. Welcome to the UFC. I think it's gonna be Matt Brown. Do you? Yeah. You see, I could wake up tomorrow and my pick would change. Yeah. Um. Probably. Right now. I am leaning towards Jordan Meehan because I think he's a big, big welterweight. I think that if he's able to take Matt Brown down, I think he's going to just control it there and land a little gritty, grinding, sort of hammer-fisting kind of kind of thing. But Matt Brown, if he gets his hands on you, then you're going to sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't really... I, I mean, yes, I chose Jordan And then you'll Jordan wake Meehan. up and you'll change your mind on who was going to win the fight. Yeah, pretty much. It's a toss of a coin for me. Yeah. Um, anything else in this card that uh, stands out to you? Fights that uh, we should look out for? Well, we had Lorenz Larkin on. Yeah. That fight's going to yeah. be fun. Um, oh, but speaking of which, who are you taking that? I, I'm I actually taking Larkin. Larkin. Yeah, yeah, me too. Not just because we had him on the show. But well, actually, because he was on the show, he is going to win now. This fight this fight card is stacked top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad Mendes is on the card. Uh, the fight I'm looking Another fight I'm looking forward to is the lightweight battle between Ramsey Nijum and Miles Jury. Yeah. Jury is undefeated, I believe. Um and he's fighting Ramsey, who's who's a beast. He won at the last Fox card. Um, this one should be a fun one to watch as well. And then uh, Joseph Benavides is also uh, on the card. And uh, you go ahead and uh, pronounce his name. Maybe we need to get the uh, the special. Darren uh, Uyenanama. Oh, look at you. We don't need to get uh, someone doing it for us. No, he's... he's uh, nice. it, This should be a good fight. He was... He was ranked right up there uh, when he came into the UFC, and uh, Benavidez was as well, obviously. 
And uh, this one should be fun to watch. I like watching the flyweights. A lot of people don't give the lighter guys um, a fair chance, but I, I think this should be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. So, uh, Chael Sun, John Jones, yeah, we'll UFC talk 159. About that <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Anything else you want to say? I mean, it's been a bit of a long show. It has been a long show. Not much. I just want to, you know, give our thoughts and prayers to the people in Boston. Oh, dude, don't even get me started. Yeah, so I'm wearing my Boston Red Sox hat today. We end felt the awful. show on that note. Yeah, um, that's a bummer note. Let's. Yeah, our hearts will go to them, and I. I don't even want to begin. That's just something I want to talk about. Right now. All right, and thanks to Mauro Ronaldo. Yeah. Also, Lorenz Larkin for joining us on the show. Good luck to Lorenz on Saturday night. Daft Punk. Francis Carmont. Yes, the entire show was brought to you by Daft Punk. Make sure you check out their new album on May 21st. You can actually pre-order it on iTunes right now. They're one of my faves. And I think next week it's you can choose the music. We'll have a theme. I think we're just going to do that with our shows from now on. We're just going to pick an artist and just stick with their music for the entire Run show. With them. But I'm concerned because you're going to pick something really dumb next week and I'm going to be stuck listening to really stupid music. Probably on purpose I am yeah. going to do that. It'll probably be something like New Kids on the Block. Or, oh uh, God, don't ever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll bring up some uh, Celine Dion. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, how can people uh, find us out there? Facebook.com forward slash MMA Sucka. As always, you can find us in the Twitterverse at MMA Sucka. Listen to the show on Stitcher. It will be back on iTunes within the next week. Oh, I man, promise that's... you that. What happened? They had a tough time with our uh, server there, archive.org, figuring stuff out. So I've moved over to a different server that we used to use where it was publishing on iTunes, and, and it'll be fixed this week. Okay, and of course you can find us on MMASucker.com and Sportsnet.ca and, and uh, thanks to the good people there at Sportsnet for putting us on and uh, make sure you check out Sportsnet.ca and click on MMA. Some great writers over there. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We were somewhere around Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take hold. <laughs> saying something like, I feel a bit lightheaded. Ah! Maybe you should drive. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, what are these goddamn animals? Say something! Hmm? Never mind. It's your turn to drive. No point mentioning these bats, I thought. The poor bastard will see them soon enough. Fucking fish! Fine! We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine. A whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers. Also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, and two dozen amyl. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, 
The tendency is to push it as far as you can. The only thing that really worried me was the ether. There is nothing in the world more helpless and irresponsible and depraved than a man in the depths of an ether binge. And I knew we'd get into that rotten stuff pretty soon. A House subcommittee report says illegal drugs killed 160 American GIs last year, 40 of them in Vietnam. Drugs were... One dog, man! One dog over the line! Downtown at a railway station! One dog over the line! One talk, you poor fool. Sweet, sweet Mary! Where do you see those goddamn bats, man? Oh. Uh -huh.